Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It is now the 19th day of August 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Hey, folks, uh, I'm going to have a really, really, well, let's just put it this way. Uh, this is a fun podcast for me today because this is a, a fun day for your pal Sully. There is a movie that's coming out in select theaters. I know it's playing in Massachusetts. I know it's playing in Los Angeles. I know it's playing in Montreal. There's some other places, and I'll put some links up so you can see if it's nearby. And if you can't go see it in the theater near you, then please go check it out on iTunes. It's called Spaceman. It stars Josh Dumel. I think I pronounced his name wrong. I do apologize. He's a very handsome man. And it's the story of Bill Lee, the former Red Sox and Montreal pitcher, who, well, let's just say marched to the beat of his own drum. The writer and director of the film is Brett Rapkin, who directed your pal Sully in a wonderful documentary also called Spaceman. That was called Spaceman, a Baseball Odyssey, which was a documentary that Brett Rapkin made uh, about 10 years ago. And I was one of the commentators on it. And then many years later, he made a feature film Stars Josh Dumas, also stars Ernie Hudson. It's a wonderful cast. I've seen it. It's a very funny movie. I really recommend it. It's it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it treats its subject with the sort of gonzo respect that it deserves. And I have a small part in it. I have a part in it as a mailman who wrestles with Bill Lee in an improvised scene that Josh and I did. In the script, I was just supposed to kind of bark at him, but as it turns out, uh, we wrestled. We tussled a little bit. And it was a lot of fun, and it was kind of a memorable quick scene in that. Um, I got Brett on the phone as he was flying from LAX to Boston for the premiere that's happening tonight in Somerville. And so today, I'm going to be playing my conversation with writer-director Brett Rapkin. I'm on the phone. He's at LAX airport. I apologize. There's a lot of airport noise going on, but I had to talk with him on the eve of the premiere of Spaceman. So here is director Brett Rapkin to talk about Spaceman. Hey, man. Um, first of all, congratulations, man. Congratulations. You got yourself, you got yourself a, feature, a feature movie appearing in, 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 the, in the theaters. I'm, I'm thrilled as hell for you. Thank you. It's a, it's a minor miracle. We're excited. Yeah, it comes out tomorrow. It's going to be in uh, 15 cities in the U.S. to start and Canada. Um, can't forget about our Canadian friends in Toronto, Vancouver, of course, in Montreal, and in L.A. It's at the Lemley Santa Monica and the Downtown Independent. And in Boston, it's at the Somerville Six, where I will be tomorrow night. I'm flying to Boston, Logan. And I will make my way tomorrow to Somerville oh, wow. for uh, a screening with Bill Lee for the people, for the wow. people of Red Sox Nation. Yes. Wow. Well, give Bill Lee my best. Because of you, I'm connected. Your pal Sully is connected to two IMDb credits that are connected to Bill Lee, and I, I couldn't be more thrilled about that. 
I met you, I think it was during the making of Reverse the Curse of the Bambino, right? Yeah, I worked on the Reverse of the Curse after your 11 Red Sox broke the curse, and I think I, I did the interview with you. And you turned to me and said, hey, do you know anything about Bill Lee? And I said, well, of course. Indeed, that is a accurate chronology, which brings us to when we shot the feature <laughs> film Spaceman starring Josh Dumel. Thank you. I remember talking to you in, what was it, must have been 2009, 2010, where you were trying to get funding to get the film off the ground. And so, I mean, I know this has been a labor of, I don't know, love, but a labor of obsession for you. A thousand things that all needed to happen in some kind of sequence to get the film shot, let alone get it edited, get it finished, get it distributed, and now released. Um, you know, definitely one major turning point was when Eric Gagne, former Dodgers Cy Young winner, came over, Gagne, who delighted fans at Chavez Ravine night upon night on, on the way to winning his Cy Young and saving 84 straight games. So I, I forced Gagne to get involved with this movie. I, I was very persistent, and I got in touch with Eric through his um, Scott Boris's office, and they put me in touch with Eric, and lo and behold, he, he supported the movie. He was my, 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 my Medici, if you will. These things cost money. You can't make them for free. We tried. Fortunately, we were able to get a lot of cast and crew to buy into what we were doing for a few weeks and get this thing shot. So how did, you, how did uh, Josh come involved with the film? He didn't seem, at least when you first mentioned it to me, he didn't seem like a, a choice that would have come to my mind, but he turned out to be a terrific choice. Yeah, it turned out to be, you can't imagine anybody else. Yeah, yeah we, we hired a casting director and we started, you know, you make your list and you talk to the agents and, and some of them even get back to you sometimes. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, from what I understand from his side is, Agents and managers knew that he wanted to do a sports movie, and he knew that there was going to have to be someone at the end of their, uh, you know, and it's the nice end of their character. was 42 at the time. He's now 43. The stars aligned, and we said, hey, we don't have much to pay you, but here's how we're going to get it done on this budget. And he, uh, he signed on and jumped in with, with both feet and hasn't, uh, hasn't looked back since, including yesterday. He flew in from Detroit where he's doing Transformers and uh, did a, a full day of press with ESPN and a bunch of other great media outlets to get the word out. You know what the funny thing is, is that, that I, on, I had a hard time picturing him in the park because I think I mainly knew him from the Transformer movies. And when I was there my day as the mailman, and he was in his, in his bathrobe and his underwear and his, and his beard going, and I just looked at him and I was like, man, he's Bill Lee. It was it was kind of startling because I'd not seen him like that in his underwear. But there was that sense of, oh, yeah, this is probably what post-Montreal Bill Lee in a funk would look like. And the thing that I really liked about his performance watching the film was that he did not really do an impersonation of Bill Lee. He didn't try to you know, do his voice. or He just was... He kind of just had the spirit of Bill Lee, and he just had the attitude of Bill Lee, and the "don't mess with me" swagger of Bill Lee that he had, which is so much more important than you know if he put on a prosthetic nose or had his speech patterns down perfectly. 
Yeah, it was really, I mean, it's an interesting, it's a unique film in the sense that it's a, it's a true story biography that A, is about someone who's still living, and B, and as Josh says, alive and kicking, you know, and B, it's, it's got, it's got a lot of comedy in it, you know, most, most biopics are, are dramas, you know, it's almost hard to think of any comedic biopic. You didn't do the trap that most biopics do, which is try to tell the whole life story of someone. You took one specific chapter, so you didn't do, like, it doesn't, like, if you did this as a typical biopic, it would start with Bill Lee talking to, a young Bill Lee talking to his aunt, and his aunt tells him something about baseball, and he nods, and he learns it, and then he goes to USC, and then he goes to the Red Sox, and then he goes, he throws the EFAS pitch to Tony Perez, and then he's like, you do, like, you're trying to, and so in a two-hour span, you shove way too much information. There's lots of bad dialogue, like, well, Bill, have you heard that you've been now traded to the Expos for Stan Pappy? Um, and so instead, you just start with, he's only a major leaguer for one scene in the movie. You know, and and you say, okay, we're not going to do his whole life. We're going to tell this chapter of his life where he went through a major transformation, and we're going to just focus on that. I think that was really smart to focus the movie on just that one turning point as opposed to trying to tell the whole story. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of that sort of chronological, biographical ground in the documentary. You know, right. his, even his time his time at USC playing for – Rod Dato and, and, and all that and his time with the Red Sox and the Expos and you know we have um, the one fun animated flashback where you get to see him um, in a real quick stint with the Red Sox but even that is more about him getting drunk and doing blow with the Buffalo Heads at the Elliott right. Lounge more than you know seeing him uh, on the field. It allows you to mine some of the humor of it and I think it made it great and it allowed and it gave some of the other actors a chance to kind of uh, sink into their characters as opposed to just being people who, like in, I'm going to compare your film to Gandhi, but uh, you know, half the scenes in Gandhi are people walking in saying, I heard that fighting has begun in Pakistan. You know, it's like half the time, <laughs> their, their job is to just say historical events so you know what time we were talking about, as opposed to here where you can allow something to unfold. Yeah, look, we we hope we have a film here that's a, a you know a piece of entertainment that's gonna you know appeal not just to to, to baseball you know fanatics like us and and uh, the millions of people that listen to your podcast, but also <laughs> you know the average Joe or Jane who just you know either uh, are looking for a good laugh um, or are fans of Josh's or want to see a cool independent film. Um, that's definitely something different than what the, uh, the studios are, are serving up these days. Yeah, it's also a different type of sports movie. I mean, it's not the, it's not the, I mean, I can almost imagine the studio saying that, you know, at the end, he goes to rehab, he stops smoking pot, and then he gets re-signed by the Red Sox. You know, I mean, that would be it, and that would be the lesson we'd learn, which is, of course, is exactly not who he would be, and, and, and I don't think you could have this story unfold if you had this be a big studio film. Even though I am yeah. now, I am now in a movie that I am now in a movie with a Ghostbuster, which I can now say with great pride that I can take that to the grave. That you can connect me to a Ghostbuster in one move. So, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you something about Ernie Hudson. You know, we uh, 
we uh, we were doing our casting sessions, and we saw him on the the list of people that were coming in to read for the part of Joe, which he plays. He's one of he's wonderful. The, uh, he's great. He's fantastic. And and uh, one of the producers when we saw that Ernie was coming in, he said to me, "Unless Ernie Hudson walks in this room with a swastika on his forehead or thinking drunk, we got to put him in this movie." And uh, and we did. He's like the middle square in the bingo. It's like you know you don't have to worry about it. You you put, he's always he's always given a good performance, whether it's like you know whether it's a a comedy or whether it's a a you know drama. You just know like all right, you know we don't that that part's taken care of. We got a pro in there right now. All right, let's get to it. And and but you did shoot in Montreal, right? You did you did go to Stade Olympique, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a scenario where. We almost. I looked into shooting the whole thing in Montreal. It would have been fun. I love the city of Montreal with a passion. I think it's maybe you know the greatest city in North America. I love that there's a scene at the beginning of the film when he is stopped by the security guard at uh, the stadium, and it kind of mirrors a scene that's in the documentary where he's pulling up to the front of the stadium, like, "Yeah, I'm with the Expos. Lee, look it up, Lee." And it was kind of, at least for me personally, I've seen the documentary many times. It was great to sort of see those two things as a kind of a compare and contrast of, you know, here's what the real Bill Lee did, and like, oh, Josh has got it. Josh has it down. Yeah, that was a fun little uh, little shout-out to the documentary and that, that great film that Bill Brownstein made in one, I believe, called Portrait of a Picture. Right. Uh, they shot on 16-millimeter film with, like, Funded by the Quebecois government. Um, hey, so speaking of baseball films, because you know, uh, with the LA Times earlier, and we're talking about you know Ron Shelton, who's a mentor of mine and an executive producer on Spaceman, and was a tremendous friend mm-hmm. to the project. Um, and and I, I believe that Ron has said that he doesn't think that Bull Durham would be made today. No way, you know. No way. And that's my favorite baseball movie of all time. I'm not just saying that. Like, I used to say the natural until I realized I'm always thinking about Bull Durham. And, yeah, there would be no way you could do that film now. No way. Because everything's so internationally minded and the whole world doesn't, for whatever reason, love baseball. All right, let's get down to brass tacks here. Okay, let's get down to what everyone wants to hear. Everyone in the world wants to hear this. You made the decision to bring your pal Sully into the movie. And you did not cast me as Bill Lee or as Jim Fanning, but you cast me with a two-line part as a mailman, who, whose name was not Sully. What was his name in the script again? I think he was originally Wally the Postman. Wally, that's right. I couldn't figure out the. I couldn't. Figure, yeah, I was in the script. I'm Wally. I become Sully in the movie because that's, I'm like Tony Danza. I can only answer to one name. Describe what happened on, like, take two or three, whichever it was, when Mr. Duomo and I decided to uh, change the script a little bit during the shooting. But I think what you're referring to is there's a scene, you know, Bill Lee writes letters to every team in the National League. Not baseball, but the National League, because still wanted to be able to hit. They had to play in the National League. Right. Because of the DH, of course. And, uh... He doesn't get a lot of responses, except for uh, Pittsburgh, who writes back and says, you know what, you're right. We don't know how we're going to get through the season with this pitching staff we have, and we could sure use a left-hander, but 
we got enough trouble without you, and good luck. So Bill starts to get a little desperate. You know, he's going out to the mailbox every day, checking it. Not much to be found in terms of opportunities for his career. And uh, he starts to get a little paranoid. It might have been the, the weed talking, maybe a couple of bongers too many that morning, but he sees uh, Sully the postman, and he's pretty sure you're in on it. And what, <laughs> what, what started as a friendly conversation quickly devolves into uh, an all-out UFC-style <laughs> wrestling match on the floor. I believe that your uh, the leather strap from your satchel may have been wrapped around uh, some of his more sensitive parts during the fight. <laughs> and, yeah. But the cap, the cap are on the scene. The best part, and you guys improv this, was as Josh is walking away after you guys are just scuffling on the ground in front of his house. He says, "What did he say? See you tomorrow." Uh, I see. He said he hands me back the letters. He said, "These are yours, Sully," because some of the letters weren't okay. him. And then I grab him and say, "Okay, see you tomorrow," which see was. Tomorrow. Uh, which was, yeah, I did improv. I, I, I remember, besides the wrestling match itself, I, I remember the, the, the two lines I improvised were, I'm a government employee, as he's trying to to wrap his arms around me. Yeah. And uh, um, when I'm walking away, I say, see you tomorrow, kind of implying that this is not the first time that this has happened. Yeah, uh, so it's, an, that it's another I'm, day. I'm just kind of cool with it. You know, it's like, all right, yeah, I, I get into a fracas with Bill Lee from time to time, and then uh, then we, but we're, but we're cool. We're cool with it. Just yeah, another day on the, on the mail route for Sully. I tell you, from my, get, get a little dirty. From my point of view, we did the scene where I, I had a couple of lines, and it was, I, the blocking of it was kind of not working for whatever reason. Like, he had to come out of the house and I had to time me arriving at the mailbox at a certain time. We would have an exchange, and I would leave. And to your credit, as a director, I don't know what you said to Josh, but you said to me, he's going to try to get into your mailbag. Don't let him. And so I said, okay, I can, I can play that. Because Josh was trying to, you know, he's much taller than me, and he was trying to intimidate me. And so in that take, he's trying to get into my mailbag. I'm trying to get him away. He wraps his arm around me, and I'm just thinking like the mailman at that point, oh, it's on. And we wrapped our arms around each other, and it's like Borat at one point where my face is really close <laughs> to, you know, his junk at one point. He's wearing tidy whities And I told this to some of my female friend fans who were like, oh, really? That's interesting. And I was like, yeah, believe me, it was not interesting from my point of view. Um, and... We were just kind of wrestling around without any thought of like, hey, Sully, you know, this guy is a lot more expensive than you on this set. Maybe you shouldn't be trying to hurt him. Um, but uh, I think it was the last shot of the day. And, you know, and, and then I was, you know, if you, got, if you fired me, that's fine. But, uh, the, and I remember the, the, you yelled cut, and there was a tremendous amount of laughter from the, the crew. And I can't remember if that was the take you used or not, um, or or if that may have been take two. I don't remember which take I said, I'll see you tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, that was a moment where I said, well, this is how I, uh, this is how I take a two-line insignificant part to make sure it stays in the movie. So that was, uh, that was, quite, that was, that was a lot of my point of view. You killed it, and I know, I know for a fact it's one of Josh's 
very favorite piece because we were talking about which clips to use for, you know, on different shows, you know, ESPN and stuff, they show clips. And I, I know for a fact that um, that scene with you is one that he very much uh, enjoys. Well, we we hit it off. Like I'm not a starstruck person, so I don't you know, I don't care. Like, hi, how are you? You know, and and we were talking about the twins at one point because he's from that. I guess he's from that area. And um, but yeah, we just he we seemed really. We just hung out for you know when we were when they were setting up the light and everything. And 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 and, and when he saw that I was willing to just go there, that I was not like, oh, but wait a minute, this isn't where Brett told me to stand. Like. Fuck it, I'll I'll wrestle you. I don't care, and uh, you know, I'm not I'm not an actor anymore. So uh, you know it was that was a lot of fun. You know, and he was and it seemed and he seemed to know that okay, we can have fun with this at least with me, and can go there and yeah, and it, it it fits in with the tone of the film because that could just have been a montage of of you know of of mailbox opening and closing. And it's kind of like when you see it in the film, it's like you're, you're, it's what my friend Eric Drysdale would call the unreliable narrator. It's like he, I told a story, you know, he, like, you're not, this may not have actually have happened, you know, but in his mind, him wrestling the, the mailman may have been something that he would have thought has happened. So I think it's... Uh, totally. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff from the movie, I mean, it, you know, it, it's based on Bill's memoirs, you know, he's got right. two books, the wrong, the wrong stuff, and has level travel, and we use we use some stuff from both of them as well as you know I've spent a lot of time with Bill so I know I've heard you know the stories and you know as far as like there's what actually happened and then there's what Bill put in his book and then you know I think that a lot of you know there's a, a line in the beginning of the movie that's on screen that says most of this actually happened and I actually think that this movie is probably more accurate although being a you know Lincoln type you know, what kind of parchment was Abraham Lincoln using? Was it a, was it a quill pen, you know, was the quill pen from a, 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 a duck or a geese, you know, like, yeah, they probably did that sort of research. Um, that was never our intent. Our intent was to, to take, uh, these, you know, crazy, dramatic and funny, um, events that happened during this two month period of Bill's life and have some fun with it and dramatize it. Um, but there's a lot of truth to it. You know, I mean, he really did sit on the GM's desk, like meditating at six in the morning when the guy walked in his office to fire him. Things like that. Well, it's, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning that I, what I liked about Josh's performance was that it was not a uh, an impersonation of Bill Lee, but it was capturing the spirit of Bill Lee. The uh, but you know you can't you can't be alive and not see him at the end the real footage of him pitching that game at the end. And not feel, not at least smile. I love the end of the movie. I think it's it's unexpected to see Bill at at, at the time he was 65. He'll be 70 in December. See him still pitching, still winning. Yeah, still physically imposing. All right, man. Hey, look at. I know you're you're about to catch a plane. Um, I'm so thrilled for you, man. Thank you. Tell, I'm sorry about the PA. Next time we'll do it when I'm not at an airport. Yeah. I'll be, next time I'll go into the meditation lounge. Yeah. Or the, the little Bible study lounge, and we'll do it in there. And if, if people don't like me doing an interview in the Bible study lounge, well, that's forgive. their problem, isn't it? Yeah, then they should forgive you. But, um, 
but hey, and uh, hey, tell Josh, uh, give him my best. Give Bill, anyone involved in that, give him my best, and hey, let him know they're they're all invited to 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 be here on the show if they ever want to come on. So just you know, let them know if they, and I won't wrestle them. But uh, no, thanks, and and let your listeners know that we'll be in we'll be in Boston uh, tomorrow night, Friday the nineteenth, and it's on iTunes and it's on VOD, and tell all their friends so that we can make more cool independent baseball movies. All right, man. Hey, good luck to you. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, you know I'll be there. I'm going to show my paid ticket. So, Thanks, Kelly. Good luck with the mail out. Thanks, Brett. And, hey, everyone, go to iTunes. I'm going to leave a link on sullybaseball.com, and I'll leave a link on mlbreports.com. And if you follow me on Twitter, I'll put some links up there, too. Uh, if you can see it in the theater, that's great. I'm going to try to check it out this weekend in Santa Monica. Uh, and if you're elsewhere, if you can go check it out in the theater, that's great. If you can't, go get it on iTunes. Watch it. Uh, not just because your pal Sully's in it and you get to see me wrestle uh, Bill Lee to the ground, but it's it's a fun, good movie, and I think you'll I think you'll really dig it. So thanks so much for being part of this, Brett. And hey, Brett, thanks for putting me in not only a wonderful documentary but in a feature film. How about that? Your pal Sully is all over sports media, and that's fantastic. Who owned baseball yesterday? Uh, Ronaldo Lopez of the Washington Nationals. Man, the Nats got another strong arm. Look out for them. Chris Bryant, 5 for 5 with a couple of homers. Dylan G pitched very well for Kansas City. Look out. J.J. Hardy hit a pair of homers for Baltimore. Half wobs to Justin Ruggiano with his grand slam. But the Giants and... <laughs> Pumpgarter didn't pitch well, but he hit a home run, so F the DH there. Uh, A.J. Reed pitched, played well, but the Astros got clobbered. And Clay Buckholz pitched well for the Red Sox, but the Red Sox bullpen melted down. Hooray! Maybe they could use Bill Lee. So go watch Spaceman. Go follow me on all those places like Twitter and Facebook and all that crap. And Brett Rapkin, thanks so much for being part of it. Send me an email at info at celebrationsbill.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. But you already knew that. Promoting a movie that your pal Sully's in. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 19th day of August 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Go to the movies and you can call me Sully.